Today's episode is sponsored by NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. NerdWallet's trusted financial journalists use fact-based reporting for some much-needed clarity in the finance world, helping you make smarter decisions with your money. The nerds have helped me get smarter about things like planning for my tax bills so I don't dread April every year, producing a balanced budget, not just for football, and saving on travel because spending less on airfares means more money for an extra night and maybe a fancy dinner too. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money podcast on your favourite podcast app. Future you will thank you. I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon. Hey everybody, how's it going? Welcome back along to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast, part of, of course, the 90 Min Football family as ever. I'm your host, Harry Simiu, and on this edition of the show, we're going to be talking following Balogun, who of course did not train, according to reports, with the Arsenal uh, first team squad yesterday. What does that mean? Or is there a perfectly good reason for it? We'll be trying to uh, get to the bottom of what exactly happened there. We're also going to talk about Arsenal's upcoming friendly against Barcelona. We're hoping for a much better performance than the one we saw against Manchester United over the weekend. We'll also talk about Arteta's relationship with KSE, which seems to be getting stronger and stronger. We're also going to touch on Romeo Lavia's future as he gets a little bit closer to a move to Liverpool. Are Arsenal just going to sit there idle and allow the player to go there? Or are they going to make a move for the Belgian midfielder before that deal uh, is completed. We're going to have to wait and see. I know a lot of Arsenal fans had their hearts set on Romeo Lavia coming in this summer. Is that about to become very, very uh, unrealistic and then eventually impossible, basically? We're also going to do a little bit of a Q&A as well. It's not the busiest of news days, I have to say that. Uh, so we'll uh, we'll bring you some Q&A as well a little bit later on in the podcast. Really, really looking forward uh, to all of that. Uh, big hello to Ray, who joins us in the chat. We've got Harry Ravel is there, Tom too, uh, Damien, Steve. Uh, we've got Leslie, uh, who's with us. Granddaddy Guna says, only three minutes late today, not too shabby. That is an improvement, isn't it? Um, but as I always say to you guys, when I'm late, it's, it's because I... No, let me rephrase this. It's not because I want to be late. It's because I'm waiting for you guys uh, to join into uh, the live chat and then we can kick off the streams. I always get complaints about the notifications not coming through in time. So I figure if we delay it a little bit, then hopefully more people will get it. More people will be on uh, right from the start. Uh, big hello to Sadiq, who joins us as well. We've got Hala. We've got uh, the Wandering Minstrel. Uh, we've got Roger, who joins us uh, from New York. Steve is joining us from Florida as well. Lots of our stateside listeners uh, alongside me this afternoon. Uh, Graham is with us, Ezana, uh, and we've got Cozzy as well. Good to see so many of you, as I say, in the live chat. But let's kick it off then. And let's start with the story. Uh, wait, before I do that, I've got to address this comment. Cesar Barrigan. Harry was late to his wedding. If you guys think I'm bad with timekeeping, it's because you haven't met my wife. She is way worse than me. And I was pleasantly surprised, actually, when she turned up to our wedding on time. Um, it was only because the, the driver was taking her. If, if she was in charge of the transport, then she would have been late for sure. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, um, 
yeah, I just thought I'd touch on that one. Uh, we'll take a couple more of your comments uh, in a little bit. Uh, we've got Graham joining us from Naples. Stan is in Vancouver. Uh, we've got Sadiq, who's in the, uh, the Netherlands, Rotterdam to be specific. We've got Imran, who's in Dubai as well. And Guillermo is in California and can't wait to go to the match tomorrow. Brilliant stuff. Right, let's get into it then, and we'll come back to your comments uh, a little bit later on in the show. Let's start then with this following Balogun stuff, because a report came out yesterday evening uh, in which it was stated that following Balogun trained separately from the Arsenal squad during Monday's session in Los Angeles. Balogun was working with an individual coach rather than going through the more intense work with Mikel Arteta, the rest of the players on the pitch. Now, this was reported by The Athletic um, and I'm aware that there was a video that came out a little bit later on, which was supposedly taken from Monday's training session in which following Balogun was involved. So I don't know if he was involved in a part of the main session. I don't know if he was involved in any of it because I, I couldn't verify exactly what that video was or, or from what time it was taken and all the rest of it. Basically, the point I want to make on this is this probably doesn't mean anything. Even if following Balogun missed training in terms of taking part with the full squad, it probably doesn't mean an awful lot. And the reason I say that is because given the circumstances around Balogun at the moment, okay, we all know that following Balogun could be on the move this summer. We all know that his future is up in the air. We've heard of interest from Italy, which we'll come on to in a minute. We've heard that he's not happy playing second or even third fiddle in this squad and that he's desperate to go and make his mark somewhere. In which case, the possibility of him going, you know, it, 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 it's a real one, right? And the problem is, is that when you then get a story like this, which may or may not be 100% accurate. Now, I'm not suggesting for a second that anybody's made this story up or tried to catch people out with it. But if that is true, that he took place in the training session, but later on, then that doesn't really kind of give off the same message, does it? it then the report should have been, well, following Balogun took part in some of the training session, but spent another section of it working on his own with an individual coach and all the rest of it. So the point I'm trying to make here is that I, I don't know for sure or for certain which one of those two accounts is true. Um, but what I will say is that, as I say already, whenever there's an issue like this, whenever there's speculation around a player's future, it only takes something little to make a big splash. It only takes something small and, and probably insignificant to be blown up into this big old story. Following Balogun could have been training with an individual coach because he is working on his fitness because he had a slight problem. You know, it happens a lot. You know, it happens a lot in football where the sort of medical staff will assess a player. They'll look at the problems that he's got or, or the, the issues that they're trying to manage. And they'll decide, actually, it's best that for a couple of days, um, you know, he he trains with an individual coach or he skips one session or there's a particular element of a, a session of a, a training sort of program plan that maybe they feel poses greater risk to somebody who is, of course, carrying a knock or an injury. Players at this stage of preseason have different needs. We've talked about that before. Some of them come back earlier. Some of them come back later. And when you come back later, often you know, you you haven't had your recovery period, you know, you haven't had your rest, 
and maybe you're you're needing to just go that little bit easier in terms of building your fitness back up. Whereas some of the players that have been there from the very start of preseason, well, they've had plenty more time and they're probably in better shape as a result. Uh, look, I'm just I'm speculating here. Okay, all I'm saying is that just as easily as it could be, Arsenal think that a deal is closer following Balogun, so keep him out of the main training session, just protect him, wrap him up in cotton wool, look after him so as not to jeopardise that. It could quite easily be what I've just explained, which is something to do with his individual fitness plan, individual sort of training requirements. So no need to go overboard on this one way or the other, but I will bring you the latest uh, on following Balogun's future because we keep talking about these links with a move away. As of yet, though, no official offer has come in uh, for the Arsenal striker. It was said uh, a few days ago that Inter were preparing an offer, uh, which was going to be worth around about 35 million euros with about 5 million euros worth of add-ons attached onto that. That offer is yet to come. And whenever I sort of look from the Italian side of this, it feels like this is one of those that, you know, Inter probably thinking about doing, but haven't gone as far as actioning just yet. So, Following Balogun's departure, if there is to be a departure this summer, is certainly not imminent. And I actually expect, after what Mikel Arteta said in his post-match press conference following the defeat to Man United, to see following Balogun play some part against Barcelona. I think the weekend, I say the weekend, it's not the weekend, it's it's being played 3.30am Thursday morning, our time. I think that game is going to tell us a little bit about maybe where Mikel Arteta's head's at when it comes to following Balogun, he's been really clear. He doesn't want to be um, a bit part player. He doesn't want to play second fiddle. He wants to compete for a place. He doesn't want another loan move, which I personally think would be the best thing for him and the best thing for us. But obviously it's got to work for both sides. And clearly that's not something he's willing to do. Understandably so. But the point here is that if he doesn't get a look in again on Thursday, then I think it's, pretty safe to say that Arsenal are certainly open to allowing him to leave and certainly wouldn't rebuff any offer uh, that they felt was fair or even close to being fair. Um, so I, I think that's going to tell us a lot about what Balogun's situation at Arsenal looks like and, and maybe what his future holds. Um, I know a lot of people are saying in the chat, look, Balogun not training is news, uh, says Andy Jackson. Um, and, you know, there's been others that are saying that people have maybe blown this out of proportion. That is literally what I led with uh, at the top of this, because, yeah, it's not major breakthrough news. But given the circumstances around following Balogun, it has been turned into a much bigger deal. And I guess you could say that it's a bit of a slow news day and things have quietened down dramatically around Arsenal uh, over the last few days. We talk about the phases of this transfer window. We talked about phase one, go out, secure your primary targets. We've done that. Phase two is now about moving people on, I think, and, and readdressing the balance in the squad, which Mikel Arteta will want to do. He won't want to weaken the squad by any means, but he will probably be required to bring in some of the money that was spent. But also at the same time, um, you know, that opens the door to potentially spending more and potentially strengthening further with players that you believe to be of a higher level. So, again, this is kind of news because of all the circumstances around following Balogun. And I know a lot of people haven't been really impressed with his interviews as well. I, I, I listened to him speak. Um, in fact, we brought you a clip direct from 
the training camp uh, ahead of the MLS All-Star game, didn't we? Where he spoke about, you know, his future. And he certainly wasn't, you know, I, I don't know what the word is. He, he certainly wasn't twerking for a move, as some people like to say. But at the same time, he wasn't exactly massively committal to Arsenal, which I think annoyed a few people because he, he had a real opportunity to kind of win over the fans, I thought, by just kind of emphasising that he understands what a huge club this is and emphasising his willingness or desire to fight for a place. Instead, he, he kind of didn't do that. And because he didn't do that, I think that turned a lot of people off. Maybe it was just poor communication. Maybe we shouldn't read too much into these things. I always think if you're a player in Balogun's situation, you have to know how to manage the media landscape in a situation like this. You can say that you're here at the moment, you're willing to fight for a place in the team, but still in the background, have your people looking at potential alternative options. You can still do those two things. Um, and that way you avoid the backlash of the fans. You avoid some of them turning on you. You avoid uh, the speculation rumbling on and on because even if people think the deal is dead, but it's not, it's a good thing for you, I guess. Those conversations should be happening in the background, not in the public domain. So, yeah, um, it's, it's interesting, isn't it? But following Balligan, uh, according to those reports from The Athletic, and I think a couple of others um, sort of reported that as well, that would have been at that training session or there or thereabouts. So I'm not saying, uh, like, I know I said earlier that there was a video that went out where it looked like Balligan was taking part. There's since been a picture uh, circulating of him training with Declan Rice, which was said to have been taken uh, after that. Um, maybe the, that's been put out on purpose to try and kind of kill some of this speculation. I don't know. I don't know. But it's an interesting one. As for Inter, though, as I keep saying, no offer yet. Will that offer come? I, I expect it to, but I don't expect Arsenal to accept the terms that we understand Inter are working on, which is 30. Uh, was it 30 million euros or 35 million euros and 5 million euros in add-ons? I don't think that's going to be enough to do it. Turn that into pounds, maybe. Maybe we're talking. Because if Balogun does have this desire to go, then as well as a football club, like, what, what do you want to keep him for? You know, you don't want players that aren't committed. You want to, you know, you want to make those, you want to make those deals happen. You want to get them done. You want, to get those people out of the door so that you can focus on the people that do want to be there and do want to fight for a place and all the rest of it. So yeah, it's going to be, um, it's going to be interesting. Anyway, we're going to take a really, really short pause and then we're going to get back to it. We're going to talk about Arsenal's upcoming friendly with Barcelona. Uh, we're going to talk Romeo Lavia and we're going to discuss Mikel Arteta's relationship uh, with KSE as well as taking some of your questions before the end of today's live podcast. If you're watching us uh, on uh, YouTube, then please do leave a like on the video, subscribe and all the rest of it. Help us on our journey towards 30,000 YouTube subscribers. If you are watching us on Twitter, give the video a like, uh, retweet it. Maybe we'll get uh, a few new people hopping on board as well. Um, and yeah, just a, a big thanks for the support. We're going to take a really, really short pause. Then we're going to talk Arsenal, Barcelona, and we're going to talk Arteta, Lavia, and take your questions. Be back in just a sec. Welcome back along to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast, part of the 90 Min football family. Um, right, let's uh, let's move on. We've talked Balogun to death, I think. 
let's talk a little bit about that upcoming game against Barcelona. And this game was in jeopardy, by the way. Um, there was talk just a couple of days ago that Barcelona may have to pull out of this game due to a, a sickness bug that has wreaked havoc on their camp. Uh, it caused them to miss another game that was scheduled. And there were concerns that that could still be the case uh, going into the game taking place, of course, uh, or due to take place on Thursday morning, UK time, Wednesday evening, uh, American time. So, uh, or local time, I should say, American time. There's more than one American time zone. Anyway, um, what am I expecting from this? Well, first and foremost, I'm expecting a much a much stronger performance from Arsenal. You know, I'm expecting Arsenal to to show that they're almost ready for the new season. I'm expecting Arsenal to be much more intense physically at a much higher level. I'm expecting Arsenal to just be, generally speaking, much, much better than they were uh, in that game uh, that they played, of course, against uh, Manchester United on Saturday, because that was really, really poor. You know, that's the truth of it. There's no point beating around the bush. I thought Arsenal were really, really poor, really, really lacklustre, didn't look um, didn't look good enough to compete with Man United in certain areas. I thought there were points where Arsenal looked, you know, OK. And I thought there were times where they looked like they could make a go of it. And there were those moments where, you know, naturally, if you're sort of losing a game and you have that optimism, you thought that actually maybe Arsenal could grab something here and maybe that would swing the pendulum the other way. Also with pre-season friendlies, if you're losing them, especially you always hold that hope, don't you? That Arsenal might be able to, to sort of turn things around, turn the ship around just based on making a couple of changes. Maybe the opponent makes a couple of changes and all of a sudden you end up uh, sort of having the upper hand through, you know, through the sheer fact that they just, aren't performing at the same level or have made some sort of change that's caused the disruption. This is a game for me where we need to have another look at a few players. We need to have another look at the midfield situation. I want to see the midfield trio of Partey, Rice and Odegaard. I don't know that that will be the starting midfield trio because we know that Thomas Partey especially joined up uh, a little bit later on. We don't really know 100% what Martin Odegaard's fitness situation is. So there is a chance that those three aren't able to play together. But for me, as I keep saying, and I've said repeatedly over the last few weeks, that is the go-to midfield. That is the midfield that Mikel Arteta should be looking to start the season with. I'm not going to go into the reasons again, uh, because I've talked about balance time and time and time again over the last couple of seasons. And I thought we finally found it last season. And this idea of playing with Havertz, for example, alongside Odegaard with just Declan Rice or just Thomas Partey sitting at the foot of the midfield. It scares me because that would be Arsenal trying to reinvent their midfield when I don't think that was what was needed this summer. I think they needed to bring in players that could come in and make sure that the level was maintained, but also they needed players that fit specifically into the roles that they're being asked to do so that that balance was not impacted. And I do worry that for example, if Kai Havertz has come in to replace Granit Xhaka in that midfield area, as many have been suggesting, I do worry that that upsets the balance. And is that Mikel Arteta overthinking things? Is that Mikel Arteta trying to take us to another level? Of course, I'm not saying for a second that he's not trying to do the right thing, but maybe overcomplicating it, maybe getting ahead of himself a little bit. And is that going to cost us? I don't know. I really, really don't know. 
Um, but as I say, I'm expecting a strong performance. I'm expecting a little bit more cohesion. I'm expecting us not to be as vulnerable defensively. I think Barcelona offer a different threat to Manchester United. And I actually think this game probably suits us more. Um, not that I want an easy game because you want a game that, uh, of course, tests you and, and helps you get up to the level required ahead of the new season. But you also want a game that allows you to kind of build confidence going into the new season. I don't think confidence is low within the Arsenal camp. I'm not saying that for a second. I think confidence should be sky high. But um, it would be nice if we could win convincingly against a side in Barcelona who are the La Liga champions, who aren't necessarily as formidable as they were in years gone by, but still carry a huge name, a huge badge, a huge history, prestige, tradition, all the rest of it. And so, you know, that can help. It's a scalp, isn't it? Albeit in pre-season, it would still be a scalp. It, it'd still be more beneficial than playing, for example, I don't know, Boreham Wood or Barnet, for example, in terms of testing your level and all the rest of it. I don't have a problem with these big blockbuster friendlies as long as they don't involve us and other English clubs, uh, as I said, um, as I said uh, recently. But anyway, that's what I'm hoping for uh, coming up against Barcelona. OK, uh, let's talk about uh, Mikel Arteta's relationship uh, with KSE. Um, I'm just going to try and bring up this picture, if I can, uh, that was doing the rounds uh, earlier on. Uh, Mikel Arteta, here it is. Uh, let me bring that up on the screen. Sharing a warm embrace uh, with uh, Stan Kroenke, silent Stan. Uh, here they are, the two of them, having a good old hug. Uh, as, of course, Stan Kroenke and Josh Kroenke attended Arsenal's training session uh, yesterday in LA. Look, people will look at this, and, and I've already seen some people on, on Twitter saying, look at Mikel Arteta sucking up to the owner, etc., etc." That's not what he's doing here. Mikel Arteta is, in my opinion, with his warmth, showing gratitude and appreciation to the ownership. Not just because, you know, they're there or... Or, or just because he's he's brown nosing or anything like that. Because I think that deep down, Mikel Arteta genuinely feels thankful to them for A, giving him the job. Because this is a massive, massive football club. And Mikel Arteta had no managerial experience prior to taking this role. He'd been an assistant coach and that was it. But A, for putting their trust and faith in him. B, for sticking with him even when times were tough and, and there were question marks with regards to whether Arsenal were moving along the right road. C, for for backing him in sort of getting players out of the door that were troublemakers, even though that meant the club taking a big financial hit. And D, for backing him uh, to go out and get the players that he really wants, even if it meant breaking the club's transfer record by some £30 million. So, you know, I actually think it's good to see this. It means that there's a healthy relationship um, they would have known, of course, that the cameras were there and there would have been an element of that in their minds, I'm sure, when they embraced one another in the way that they did. I mean, you know, we, we go back to the kind of Wenger days and one of the things that people used to say about Arsene Wenger was that he was too loyal to the ownership. He was too loyal to the football club and he was unable to challenge them as a result of that, even when things needed challenging. Is there a worry or a danger that this becomes the situation with Arteta, where he is in so deep with KSE that he almost becomes their man rather than his own man? And is there a danger that 
in becoming someone else's man, you kind of lose your way a little bit. That's a concern that I might have down the line, but it's not one that I have right now because I really do believe in Mikel Arteta's desire to win. Um, I also believe that he understands the pressure he will now be under, having spent the amounts of money that he has and having had the backing and support that he has. So, yeah, for me, I mean, I actually think this is quite nice to see um, Stan Kroenke, who has come across as a bit of a cold figure, actually, since taking over Arsenal Football Club. He's almost gone from being someone that I think really used to annoy the Arsenal fan base because of his absence and, and sort of absent styled ownership as well, which was, you know, certainly the case in the past. But he seems to have taken a step to one side, pushed Josh Kroenke, his son, into the limelight, into the driving seat, given him the keys to Arsenal Football Club, if you like. And he has done a really, really good job. So, you know, I, I think had this picture come out before, like had this picture come out two years ago, you can imagine what people would have been saying. Look at Stan. He's put Mikel Arteta there because he's a yes man. Mikel Arteta should never have this job, should never have got it, but he's only got it because he sucks up to Stan Kroenke and their best buds and all the rest of it. Now, though, the narrative is completely different. Arsenal are in a place now where this picture can come out and not cause a massive meltdown, which is progress in itself. Uh, but as I say, I think there's a lot of gratitude there. I think there's a lot of um, respect there from Mikel Arteta towards the ownership because of how much they've supported him. He's always talked about them in a positive light whenever he's asked about them in press conferences and interviews and all the rest of it. You get the feeling that his appreciation for them is is genuine and sincere rather than just somebody saying something they feel they need to say in order to keep their boss happy. But anyway, uh, let's uh, move on from that. That's enough of watching Mikel Arteta uh, cuddling Stan Kroenke. <laughs> I think we've had enough of that for uh, one day. Anyway, let's uh, take it on to uh, Romeo Lavia, of course, a player that has been linked with Arsenal quite heavily uh, throughout this transfer window. Nothing materialised with the Gunners and it became apparent that Declan Rice was the midfield priority. I don't think many people thought that Kai Havertz would be coming in as a midfielder and we still don't really know that that's definitely going to be the case. Um, but we do know that Arsenal are losing the race to sign Romeo Lavia if indeed it was a race they were ever in. And let's be sure to highlight that because we don't exactly know. Um, you know, if you think about it, he was linked with Arsenal quite a bit. There was talk of him coming in to potentially replace Thomas Partey, for example. Uh, Thomas Partey, who is looking less likely to leave the football club now. Uh, you know, at one time looked as though he was definitely going to leave. Uh, looked as though he was at the top of the list in terms of potential outgoings. But that has changed. And I think people feel quite differently about that since Mikel Arteta came out and backed Thomas Partey and referenced the significance to the side, his importance, all the rest of it. We understand or we hear uh, this afternoon uh, from David Ornstein, the Ornacle, as he's known, uh, that Southampton have turned down an opening offer from Liverpool for Romeo Lavia. The Liverpool proposal uh, for the Belgium was thought to be worth around £37 million, rejected by the Saints as they seek a fee in the region of £50 million. Personal terms for the 19-year-old midfielder, not an issue. Now, there were reports a few days ago that Romeo Lavia had agreed personal terms already with Liverpool. So this comes 
as no surprise. Southampton want around about £50 million. I don't think the deal will be done at £50 million. I think it will be done somewhere in between the £37 million, uh, that that Liverpool have offered initially, which has been rejected out of hand, by the way, according to various other reports. And of course, the £50 million fee that Southampton seek. I think £45 million probably gets this deal done. Great player, lots of potential, lots of technique, uh, lots of maturity in his game. I think he's someone that is really on a good trajectory. But the reason I wasn't massively keen on Arsenal going and spending a fortune on him, and I actually preferred for us to keep Thomas Partey, is because I don't think he's quite ready yet to play week in, week out at one of the big clubs. I thought his performances at, Th- at Southampton at times were a little bit hit and miss. And, you know, people will say that that's because of the team that he was playing in. And I totally accept that that's a factor. Of course, you know, they ended up getting relegated. They simply weren't very good. And Romeo Lavia had a lot of responsibility in a really important area of the pitch. A lot to sort of expect from a 19-year-old who's still finding his feet in the Premier League and all the rest of it. But anyway, Liverpool are are moving forward on this and Liverpool seem pretty confident that that is going to get done. Uh, They're also pretty confident that the Fabinho deal is going to get done, the deal that's going to take him over to Saudi Arabia. And I have to show this to you as well, because this this literally made me crack up laughing earlier today when I read this. Um, As you guys will know, uh, Fabinho's move uh, to Al-Itihad is still to go through. And David Ornstein uh, tweeted early, earlier on today, Fabinho transfer to Al-Itihad is in jeopardy. Talks ongoing and all parties are committed to the deal. But there is a delay and the 29-year-old will resume Liverpool training on Wednesday. That's got to be awkward, hasn't it? That's got to be awkward. Um, you know, that's got to be... That's got to be an issue. Like you're out the door. You've agreed to go. The manager's agreed to let you go. You're you're almost there in terms of completing your transfer. And then you've got to go back into the squad and face everybody that you just agreed to leave. It's, it's a weird one, isn't it? Um, but the funniest thing about this tweet from David Ornstein was that he had to put the line at the end of absolutely nothing to do with his dogs. <laughs> And the reason he's put that is because there was speculation the other day uh, that Fabinho's dogs would not be able to make that move to Saudi Arabia alongside him and that that was threatening to scupper the deal. David Ornstein insists that that's nothing to do with the problems uh, between Liverpool, Al-Itihad and Fabinho's representatives at this moment in time. But it's just funny that he felt the need to put that in. I'm sure it was kind of slightly tongue in cheek. And the reaction on social media tells you uh, how that went down, which is great. Uh, but yeah, anyway, so that's the latest uh, on Romeo Lavia and Liverpool's uh, midfield revamp. We kind of touched on all the topics that I wanted to touch on. So if you've got any questions, start chucking them in the chat box and I'll get through as many of those as I possibly can. Uh, get involved in the chat box if you haven't done so already. Uh, leave a like on the video. Subscribe to the channel if you're brand spanking new. It really, really uh, does help. Um, yeah, as I say, we're on the road to 30,000 YouTube subscribers. Uh, that doesn't include all the wonderful people that listen to us on audio uh, on a daily basis. The numbers constantly growing there as well, which is amazing to see. Uh, so, so grateful for the support that you guys have shown me. Um, But yeah, like, subscribe. Let's get over to some of your questions then. 
Um, what we got here? What we got here? Um, across the pond, Sports Talk says, looking forward to the beautiful SoFi Stadium and rocking Barca. We will be doing a watch along. And is it a must win, Harry? I don't think you can ever say a preseason game is a must win, but it would certainly get people off our backs. Um, it only seems to be Arsenal fans that are getting on Arsenal's back for the game against Manchester United the other day. I've had various conversations with even Manchester United fans that I work with and, and other people who caught the game and sort of read up on what Arsenal's issues were on the day. And, and they don't seem to be too concerned about it. It is very much an internal thing, I think. Um, is it must win? No, I don't think you can say any preseason game is must win. It'll be it's a nice win, nice to win game. Um, and that's about it. It is obviously at a stadium that was funded by KSE. Um, wonderful, wonderful stadium. I'm told I haven't had the pleasure of being there uh, or going there just yet. Maybe I'll get to go one day, but um, yeah, it'd be nice uh, to win that for sure. Um Bajwa Mickey says, two questions for you, Harry. What are your expectations of this season as of today? I'll start with this one. Um, my expectation is to maintain the level that we achieved last season. So I want to see us in the league be similar at the minimum in terms of what we achieve points-wise. But I also want to see us be able to compete on multiple fronts. I think we've got a much stronger squad to do that with now. And so I expect us to to compete, as I say, in the Champions League, in the domestic cups and in the Premier League as well. I want us to be able to achieve those things outside of the Premier League whilst not uh, allowing our Premier League form to suffer uh, as a result of that. In terms of how many other incomings do you envision? I'd say probably one more. And that will be dependent on who we can get out the door. I think that's really, really important. I keep talking about that phase of the window, which I truly believe uh, we're in right now. Uh, Social Joins says, uh, why do I feel like PSG will bid for Balogun? Can you see a PSG bid? I wouldn't rule it out. You know, he was one of the best players in France last season. There's no reason um, why PSG wouldn't be interested if they felt that they could get a deal done. Um, but yeah, uh, it's not impossible, but I don't know if there being any concrete interest from them at this moment in time. Um Battle Gnome says, big up from Colorado, Harry. Good to see you, mate. He says, love the content. Always wanted to stop into the live before my appointment. I'll finish the rest later. Thanks for joining us, mate, and uh, good luck with your appointment. Uh, Ray Anderson says, do you think Timber will play more with Rice than Partey as he inverts from the right and Rice shifts to the left? Um, I don't know about that. I don't know about that because... I think Mikel Arteta will have his midfield in mind and I don't think he will change that based on who's playing in the defence or vice versa. I don't think he'll want to create these little clicks or or combinations that he's then afraid to move away from. I think naturally you'll find combinations that work better within your squad and all the rest of it. Um, but I, it's really difficult to say, mate, because we haven't seen a lot of rice or timber in arsenal shirts just yet you know it's still really early days we're still trying to suss them out as well as them trying to suss out us out as a team so uh we'll have to wait and see on that one um what else have we got sharon black says after scoring 88 league goals last season do you agree with many supporters that signing a striker is a top priority i wouldn't say it's the top priority i would say it's one of those bits of business that it'll be nice to do if we can do it 
but it isn't an essential for me. It isn't the number one for me right now. Um, if we let Balogun go or Nketiah go, then there's a case to be made, I think, to go out and bring in another one. Um, if we could get rid of both of them and get decent money for both of them, I wouldn't be opposed to doing that and going and spending big on a striker. But, you know, I, I don't think... Um, I don't think that we're going to see both of them leave. I think it'll be one or the other. Uh, Cesar says, apologies for bringing up Balogun again. No problem, mate. It's a hot talking point at the moment. Do you think he's bringing down his own value based on what he's been saying? Um, not really. I, I, I think he carries weight at this moment in time. It's a bit, I always compare it to the Joe Willock situation, don't I? Um, I've said it so many times. When a player is hot, sometimes you need to cash in and their value is at a point where people, you know, are looking at them from afar, admiring them and, and are willing to, to go that extra mile to bring them in the door. One minute you're hot, one minute you're not. That's how football goes. And um, I don't think his comments are particularly bad. I think from an Arsenal perspective, I can see why they've rubbed some people up the wrong way. But it's not it's not wild what he's been saying. I don't think he said anything that's overstepped the mark, to be honest with you. I think that goals are the magical currency and he produced a bag load of them last season. And I think as a result of that, there will be interest in him. The problem that we're going to have is finding a club willing to pay what Arsenal want. And I keep talking about this disparity between the Premier League and everybody else. And I think that's going to play a part here as well, because you've got a player that, on the continent, is probably viewed at being valued 30, 35 million pounds after that one really, really good season. But from a Premier League club's perspective, that means he's worth 50. And, and you're going to get that gap. And it's about whether Arsenal are willing to come down a little bit, whether the European club, because I'm pretty sure he'll go to a European club, are willing to push things that little bit further and, and close the gap, meet somewhere in the middle. So I think it's financially between the Premier League clubs and everybody else. I think that's going to be the problem here. Not necessarily uh, what he says. Uh, Thomas van der Heiden says, uh, who would you add to complete our squad? Would you consider Watkins? I haven't thought about um, who I would bring in as a forward because as I say, I haven't really seen it as a priority this summer. Ollie Watkins, no. Um, not for me. I, I think he's a good player. I do. Um, but not for me. He's not the one I'd be going out and spending money on um, if I were in charge. I just, I think he's a good player at the level that he's currently playing. Is he a Champions League player? I'm not sure about that. Yes, he's an Arsenal fan and all the rest of it. I've read that a ton of times, but not at this moment in time. I haven't seen enough from Ollie Watkins to suggest that he's a Champions League level striker, that he's better than Jesus or as good as Jesus. And I think that we need to be, if we really want to make this squad better, and take it up to the next level, that we need to be bringing in players who elevate the level or at least prevent a drop-off. Ollie Watkins would be a drop-off in comparison to Jesus, in my opinion, anyway. Okay, guys, we are going to leave it there. Thank you all uh, so, so much, as always, for tuning into the podcast. Don't forget to leave a like on the video. Subscribe uh, if you haven't done so already. You know the drill by now. Um, I'm not sure if we're going to get a podcast out tomorrow. Um, I've got a really, really jam-packed day and I'm going to be traveling a lot, uh, which is going to make it difficult for me. I will try my best to get something out. There definitely won't be one on Thursday. Um, 
I, I wouldn't think unless I can get something out really, really early in the day, looking back at the game against Barcelona, I'll, I'll endeavour to do that. But be aware that there might not be a podcast on Thursday morning. Um, and the reason for that is because I'm travelling to the United States. Unfortunately, I'm not going on Arsenal's pre-season tour, um, but I am going over there to do some work uh, for uh, the Bundesliga, uh, which is in Las Vegas, Nevada, of course, covering uh, Borussia Dortmund's game against Manchester United. Um, never been to Vegas, never been to the United States, actually. So it's a, a pretty big trip for me uh, going over there for a few days and we'll get some content out from uh, stateside, but the times may be a little hit and miss in comparison to what they normally are. I know they're always hit and miss, but you know what I mean? Might be even worse. You might get shorter bite-sized editions of the podcast, but just be aware uh, that I'm going to be away for a few days and I don't really know what my schedule is going to look like to be able to say, yep, I can commit to X, Y, and Z, but I'll do as much as I possibly can. Um, anyway, subscribe, like, share, all the rest of it. Uh, maybe I'll see some of you uh, in the United States. Uh, in the coming days. Take care of yourselves. Have a great evening. All the best. Goodbye. I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simpson.